let's talk sermon stuff. Um, I'd like to start the morning uh, with a little exercise for you. Um, would like for you to take a minute and think about two or three of your kind of uh, front page stressors. Um, the, the, the issues you have in life that, that represent um, problems or um, concerns. And for some of you, uh, you may have to, to think a little bit to come up with two or three. And to, for some of you, you may have to think a little bit to narrow it down to the, the top two or three. But take just a minute and, and bring to mind some clarity. Uh, two or three things could be um, maybe job stuff, maybe some parenting decisions, could be your... Um, marital sex life could be um, taking care of aging parents. Who knows what it is? Uh, two or three things that you are dealing with right now that represent front page news. So if there is a God who created this world... And I believe that there is. And uh, if he cares about the human beings he created, and I certainly believe that he does. And if we humans can speak to him and have him listen to us and maybe respond, uh, and I certainly believe that we can speak to him, then that would make the act of speaking to that almighty God the single most important thing that we could ever do with our time. Would you agree? If there's even a slim chance that that almighty creator would respond to one of those prayers, then that would make actually speaking with him incredibly important in our everyday life. So when we talk about um, praying... We're talking about that central activity that probably represents the most important thing that we could have as a part of our life. And the Bible is filled with all sorts of these moments where, where human beings reach out to God and connect with him and he responds. And so what I want to do this month is look, is look at some of those timeless prayers, those prayers in the Bible, those moments when human beings reached out to God and God responded and, and try to learn from those. So Jesus, when we talk about this regularly at Polaris, he didn't come to make uh, Christians uh, in the sense that, that typically Christians are defined as people who believe the right stuff about Jesus. Like his aspirations were bigger than just creating a, a religion. Jesus came to make disciples. And when we talk about disciples, we really talk about four practices. For a disciple. One is that we help others. We practice helping others, doing real things to really help others, especially the underdog. Second thing is we include others. We practice including other people, especially the forgotten. We include them in our lives. We reach out to them. We connect with people, especially the forgotten. Third thing is, is we actually practice following the teachings of Jesus. We practice the teachings themselves. We, we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, discover the, the lifestyle of Jesus, and we practice that. And then fourth, we, we practice a relationship with God. 
if you follow Jesus, you have a relationship with God that you work on. We, we talk, we listen, we obey. Followers of Jesus pray. Followers of Jesus are committed to a healthy prayer life. And if you're not committed to a healthy prayer life or developing one, you're not really following Jesus. You know what else followers of Jesus do? And I can first in line here. Followers of Jesus recognize when they've gotten out of the habit of a healthy prayer life, which is certainly the case for me a few times a year when I realize, oh man, I'm out of rhythm. And then followers of Jesus just say, okay, I haven't done very well. I'm going to get back at it. So followers of Jesus definitely develop healthy prayer lives and then do their best to maintain that and certainly fall out of uh, rhythm and then are committed because followers of Jesus work on their relationship with God. So um, uh, you might think uh, about those big challenges as we look at developing healthy prayer over this month and apply these principles to those big challenges because that's a part of practicing um, following Jesus. Uh, so, um, last week we talked about the prayer of Hannah. Um, helped us with life circumstances, interpreting life circumstances. This week, I want to talk about the prayer of a king named Hezekiah in the Bible. And, and we're going to see some technique some techniques in, in praying and developing a healthy prayer life. So you might look at, at these techniques from, from Hezekiah's prayer and then go home and apply them uh, to those, those front page challenges that we thought about just a few minutes ago. So I'm going to uh, have you turn to uh, 2 Kings and would love for you to, um, to, to follow along, especially if you were one of the people that told me you wanted the lights up. Okay, I've conceded that battle, but you better have your Bibles open. Um, I want to encourage you just, you know, over this next few weeks, bring your Bibles, or if you don't have one, use the blue Bibles in front, or fire up your smartphone. Um, if you don't have a Bible with an easy translation to read, then just take one of those blue Bibles home. Uh, write in it, mark it up, highlight, whatever. Also... Uh, like for me, I've told you that one of my most healthy spiritual practices are note cards and writing things down and maybe leaving with one or two thoughts. There's note cards in the pews, or I'm trying to keep that back table over there stacked with note cards. Maybe just leave with a thought or two on a note card uh, from what we've talked about. So, uh, um, yeah. Uh, let's start in 2 Kings 18. I'm going to read to you 5 through 7. 2 Kings 18, 5 through 7. Do you have a page? Anybody have a page from the Blue Bible when you get to 2 Kings? 58? 350. I was going to say that sounds too. Yeah, 358. Okay, so 358 in those Blue Bibles. 2 Kings 18. Let's just look at King Hezekiah for a minute and do like a little side exercise here. It says, Hezekiah trusted the Lord, the God of Israel. And there was no one like him among the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses, and the Lord was with him. <clears throat> so, pretty high praise for King Hezekiah, right? And one thing you might do is just in, in that little uh, section there, 
maybe make a note card for yourself. Think about that sort of epitaph. Um, uh, think about what you might want to put uh, on a mirror or at your desk. And uh, maybe switch out the word king with something else. <clears throat> and make that a kind of uh, eulogy-sounding statement that you return to as you live your life. Let me give you an example. Alex trusted the Lord. There was no one like him among, among all the dads of Brunswick. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following Jesus, and the Lord was with him. Or even funnier, Alex trusted the Lord. There was no one like him among all the husbands of Brunswick. And before him or after him, there was no one like him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following Jesus, and the Lord was with him. Or maybe uh, Beth trusted the Lord. There was no one like her in all the HR department, either before her or after her. She held fast to the Lord and did not stop following Jesus. She did not waver from God's principles in her decisions, and the Lord was with her. Now, like those statements are far from true about me, but it would be something I aspire to. And one of the things we get from Scripture, one of the great gifts of the Bible, is it is unlocks our ability to imagine. It unlocks our ability to imagine because the Scriptures announce some great things that can be true of us as humans. And they invite us to imagine what God can do in our life because what you'd find is Hezekiah was a guy just like any other guy. It's just that he followed God. He followed God's will. He was committed to doing things God's way. And then God grabbed hold of him and made something of himself. So if you would begin, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done or haven't done, and make some kind of statement like that for yourself and begin to imagine what God could do through you at work or at home in any area of your life, begin to announce that over yourself, begin to invite God in, I think we would all be amazed at what God can eventually do through us if we just keep something like that before us and remind ourselves and announce to ourselves what God can do and what our life can be because of the transforming power of God. So one of the gifts of the Bible is it unlocks your ability to imagine what God could do through your life. And now you're living for something. Now you're living calibrated around what God can do, not just what you could accomplish on your own. All right, let's look at Hezekiah's prayer now. It's in 2 Kings 19. So situation, let me set it up. The Assyrian Empire is building and growing strong. They're the bad guys. And like many of the ancient empires of the world, as they expanded, you would go to the place you're about to conquer, your newest victim, and you would announce through propaganda, hey, we are coming in with all of our forces, and we will crush you if you do not submit. Do not listen to your king. Do not rely on your gods, because those other nations... They all listened to their kings who said fight. They all relied on their gods and they were crushed and now they're slaves. So give up now. Do yourselves a favor. Accept our terms of peace. Don't listen to King Hezekiah's lies. 
and just allow us to do our thing. Like that was the announcement. So the king of, of uh, the Assyrian Empire, Sennacherib, had begun this propaganda in Jerusalem. And you can imagine the terror that it inflicted. Like even for me, uh, I, I would be doing a gut check now because this is not like, you know, Canada threatening America. This would be like America threatening Canada. And I would have to ask myself, is my God going to step in when all those others haven't? I, am I really willing to risk my family? Or should I just submit? So that's the kind of terror that struck everybody when this propaganda campaign uh, began. Now, a letter of, uh, came to King Hezekiah himself announcing all of those things. And here's Hezekiah's response. This is uh, chapter 19, starting at verse 14. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out, the letter out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim. Those were like warrior angels. You alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them. They were not gods but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Now, O Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. <laughs> Let's take a look at this prayer, which was given to us as a model, and see if we can find ways to apply it to our own uh, lives in terms of technique. So the first thing you'll see in this prayer in many of the timeless prayers of the Bible is that King Hezekiah said things and did things to amp up his own faith in God's power as he prayed. You notice the way he, um, he took the letter in and he put it down before God? Uh, very personal like, like, this is real. This is, this is a real, two real beings communicating. Like, if you were to be sitting next to a friend and show them a concerning email you got, show them a text, like something that's like, like he did something physical. Like, here, look. Like, there's a personal thing there. He's reminding himself. This is a real God. This is a real being. This is a real conversation. And then he says, he says, um, uh, God of Israel, seated on the throne of heaven, amidst warrior angels, maker of heaven and earth, the one true God over every nation and every kingdom and every king. So do you see him kind of pumping up his own faith? And this is common among so many prayers. Uh, the person praying announces what is true about God. Now, I don't think they're really like puffing up God's ego. It's not like they're saying that and God's like, oh yeah, I am kind of awesome. 
They're reminding themselves of who God is, which increases their faith as they pray because faith matters. Our belief matters when we pray. A lot of times when I, when I pray about people who have gotten maybe a bad prognosis from a doctor, I'll, I'll start by saying something like, Father, you are the author of life and they are your daughter. It does not matter what the doctor has said, you will have your way. Now, when I do that, I'm not reminding God of anything. I'm reminding myself of what is true about God. You might think about um, uh, beginning your prayers, uh, calling to memory things that God has done on your behalf before. Or maybe go, and this is where I would say, you know, you keep your Bibles uh, close at hand, earmark pages, write some like in your Bible right now, maybe underline that prayer and, and return to it when you're trying to remember and start kind of paraphrasing uh, King Hezekiah's intro. I do this all the time with scripture. Uh, Lord, my God, enthroned among the angels in heaven, you alone are God over all the nations of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear Open your eyes, Lord, and see, listen to my prayer. Like, go to Hezekiah, paraphrase on your own behalf how he went to God. Use scripture to help you pray. In Matthew 17, Jesus says, if you have faith with just like the grain of a mustard seed, little teeny, little seed, Nothing is impossible to you. So if faith plays any part in your equation of prayer, if faith matters at all in my prayers, I'm going to do my very best to bring as much faith to the table as I can. And one of the ways we increase our faith is at the beginning of the prayer, we announce what is true about God. We remind ourselves what is true about God. We do things that increase our own faith as we enter a moment of prayer. So that's the first thing that I, I learn from uh, Hezekiah's prayer that I can apply in my own prayer life. The second thing that Hezekiah did that I think we can apply is he sorted out whose problem it really was. He sorted out whose problem the issue at hand really was. Because for Hezekiah, uh, this was God's problem. He gave the problem to God. He said, here, you take it. This is your problem, God. He says, listen to the words of Sennacherib. He has sent to ridicule the living God. See what he does there? He says, God, this, this is your problem. Reminding himself and God, this is your problem. It's not about his own reign or his own kingdom or his own people. It's God's problem. It's about God's people. It's about God's kingdom. It's about God's name. He sorts it all out in his own mind. And this is so important for, for you and for me and our own peace as we pray uh, 
through trials and, and scary moments in life to remind ourselves whose battle it really is. Now, um, when I pray for my boys, whether it be their spiritual development, their uh, health, their physical development, whatever, I'll often say, God, these, these are, they are your sons first. You know how much relief comes when I just remind my, they're, they're your sons first. I'm just raising them. They're, they're your sons. Or, or maybe you're at a place where your finances are a mess. You're like, God, everything I have is yours and I want to honor you with it. Please uh, bless the financial order of my house. Or, or maybe you're, you're having a, you, you want certain things for your career. God, I, I'm doing this for you. I'm trying to serve you. I'm trying to honor you uh, with, with my job and I want you know, more responsibility, more opportunities to honor you and uh, please give me this, whatever. But remember, as you announce whose problem it is and whose battle it is, your life needs to match that. I mean, you're not going to manipulate God. God might very well say, oh, 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 really? They're, they're when you, you know, God, they're, they're your kids first. He might, he might be like, oh, oh, I'm, I'm seeing a lot more effort to develop their athletic and, and uh, academic career than their spiritual Development. I don't really believe that you see them as my kids. Or, oh, oh really, Every, everything you have is, is mine. It, it seems like you use most of your possessions for your own comfort. Or, oh, oh your career is to honor me. I, I, see what, I see the decisions you make. I see what you say and how you treat people. And like, like we're not going to fool God with those kinds of things. It's about how we live that demonstrates whether or not it's God's problem. But when we put him at the center like Hezekiah, then we can truly say, God, my life is about you, and, and, and this really then is your problem and about how this makes you look through my life. Um, and that's, that's not even easy for me to say. I mean, these are ongoing struggles. But when we commit to honoring God with our lives... It's a lot easier in moments of crisis to say, God, I just want you to look good through this. I want you to be honored through this. Um, Help me out here. All right. uh, Another thing that, that we certainly can see through Hezekiah's prayer that we can apply to our own front page prayer struggles. He makes a clear and simple request. How about that? Isn't that awesome? He just makes a simple request. Look at his request. Now, Lord our God, deliver us from his hands. Now, Lord our God, deliver us from his hands. Deliver us from his hand. It's a five-word request. Deliver us from his hand. His actual request, five words long, in, in, in Philippians 4, 6 says, present your request to God. Uh, Ephesians 6 says, pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. But this is, this is great. This is great for like if you're a newbie, just trying to figure out how to do all this stuff. Jesus actually says, do not ramble on with your prayer requests. Don't think you will be heard by your churchy sounding words. Simple. Just make 
simple request. We, can, we are invited to a relational back and forth. God's like, ask me anything, any needs, any desires, ask me, but make it simple. <laughs> God's like, just, 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 just make, it, make it simple, clear and simple. I, I got to tell you, man, when, when, and this is, this is bad, um, when I go to like pastor's prayer gatherings, I like walk in like, okay, I got to go to this thing. And these guys will just launch. And it's like, can you just have a thought and then say that thought and then be done? They just go on and on and on. And, and you know, I, (coughs) anyway. We don't have to worry about, and that's, I know that a lot of, of, of new followers of Jesus get intimidated, because um, especially to pray out loud, because they feel like they can't do it right. But really, a lot of the people that sound like they're doing it right aren't doing it right. It's not about the verbiage. You have your request, and you present it to God. Isn't that like, whew, okay, I can do that. So, you guys can come on up for a song if you're a part of the last song. Um, God invites us. He wants us to come to him to bring our request to him. When we have concerns, um, we can feel that invitation. Like, like I said, followers of Jesus, they pray. And, and we start those prayers by reminding ourselves of who God is. We pump up our own faith. Because faith matters when we pray. And then we remind ourselves of whose battle it really is. This is God's battle. This is about him. This is about bringing glory to him. How can, it also helps us think about how we can use the situation to give honor and glory and credit to God as he works in our life. And then we make clear and simple requests. We just lay it out. Clear, simple requests. Basically, we're saying, here it is. You take it. So those things we've thought through at the beginning, all really, God, here it is. You take it. We entrust this into your hands. Let's pray. Father, you are the creator of all things. And you sit on your throne in the midst of an army of angels, great in power. And you are the one true God over all the nations. Hear are our prayers. We brought to mind our concerns at the beginning of this sermon time. Please respond on our behalf in ways that make your greatness known to those around us. 
These concerns are all in your hands now. In Jesus' name, amen.